Wow, well, what an honor to uh, uh, get to be at Bethany Bible again. Uh, I was here a couple of years ago and um, mentioned then, and I will mention here now because I'm so grateful, but Bethany Bible, this is where my wife uh, lived literally almost walking distance from here and didn't know the Lord and started dating some guy, and thankfully they broke up. And uh, she started coming to church, though, uh, as a result of that. And this is where my wife came to know the Lord and was baptized and began to be discipled. So I am very grateful to Bethany Bible for the impact it's had not only in my family, but so many families. Amen? So now, uh, what we're going to uh, do this morning is, uh, I'm going to pray in just a second, but uh, Eugene Peterson was a New Testament scholar and, and pastor and wrote an interpretive paraphrase of the Bible. Now, you know the difference, right? There's translations, and he could certainly translate. Uh, he was a New Testament scholar, um, but in, uh, he wrote an uh, interpretive paraphrase, which is really kind of an easy way to read it. And maybe you've read J.B. Phillips did one or the Living Bible um, with Kenneth Taylor. But, but listen to the way Eugene Peterson uh, uh, takes 1 Peter 3.8, and we'll look at it uh, more closely here in God's Word in just a minute. But he says this, uh, uh, in in uh, uh, first first Peter uh, three and and uh, verse eight that uh, we, we are to be summing it all up to be agreeable sympathetic loving compassionate humble it, it says no uh, no exceptions no retaliation no sharp tongued sarcasm. Instead, and this is the part I wanted you to hear, here's how he translates this. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. To be a blessing and also to get a blessing. Well, let's pray and then we'll jump in and, uh, and wrap up this series. And here we go. Lord, thank you so much for your love, for your goodness, for the way that you have, uh, in summing it up through your son, Jesus, that you have brought us newness of life, that you have blessed us, and as a result, Lord, we can live out that blessing. Well, we've learned a lot already in the first two uh, parts of this series. Now, Lord, help us to bring it home as we even move more practically to say, all right, how can I do that? And Lord, are there some things blocking us? So we love you, we thank you, and again, we're so grateful for the freedoms that we have still today. We don't take that for granted to be able to worship online and here in person. Lord, may you open up the world soon that we may all be back in fellowship together right here on campus. But Lord, we're grateful for technology. We are thankful for an incredible worship team that has prepared our hearts. And so now, Lord, bring us to your word that we might know more about you and more about ourselves, that we might be the people you would call us to be. That's our job to bless. In your name we do pray, Lord Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Well, um, it's interesting, uh, uh, you know, this whole pandemic crazy time, one thing that it's done, because normally I'd be on a plane flying out doing things, but so much is canceled. So for some of us, what that means, the pandemic, is we've had a lot more time to do things 
uh, around the house. You mentioned, <laughs> Pastor Mike, last night you're cleaning out the closet. Uh, for a lot of us, we've done lots of spring training, uh, uh, spring cleaning. Well, spring training, that's coming too. But also, um, we've, for some of us, uh, we've had some, tackled some other projects. So there's this one book I've always wanted to read on Abraham Lincoln. It's about 730 pages. It actually won the Pulitzer Prize. But I was reading last night, uh, or actually a couple nights ago, and uh, came across an interesting story. And Pastor Mike, I want you to know something uh, that uh, Abraham Lincoln would have loved your, ser- your series on, on uh, the blessing and what it means to bless. Now, this is a, a sketch of the New York Presbyterian Church. It was uh, 1864. This is the, the, the Civil War was still raging. Things are crazy in our world, but imagine how difficult those days were. And I know there's been some, you know, people that have uh, said that wasn't the case because what else in history hasn't been uh, attempted to revise it? But the bottom line is Abraham Lincoln was absolutely a person of faith. And one of the things that he would do is every Sunday night, not in the morning, but every Sunday night, he would walk down from the White House to New York Presbyterian Church. It's New York Avenue is uh, the street there. It's New York Avenue Presbyterian Church. And he'd walk in and he'd go up in the balcony. And he'd sit up in the balcony, pretty much by himself, uh, try to get away so he didn't want to disturb the other parishioners, but he would always just take one aide with him. And so it says on that particular uh, evening that at the end of the service, he just stayed, he had his head bowed, and it was like after they prayed, he never you know, quit praying, he just had his head bowed. And for a long time, that aide sat there, and then finally Lincoln looks up, and then he stands up, and so he asks him, well, what did you think of the service? And he, he, he goes, well, I thought the message was well-written and powerfully delivered. And he goes, oh, you thought it was a great sermon. And listen to what, uh, or look at, we'll put up as well, what Lincoln said. He goes, no, I thought it utterly failed. It utterly failed because he never called us to do something great. Now, let me tell you, you have a pastor, and that's one of the things I love about Pastor Mike, is he's not afraid to call you to do something great, okay? And what is great, I think, without question is, is the ability that the Lord gives us to bless others and to deal with some of the things that block us from doing that. So you've been in a series where, you know, You've, you've been uh, called to do something great. Now, I realize with COVID and with all the challenges, some people uh, may be kind of coming in and out, both here at church or online. So let me catch you up. There's a verse, I think, first, uh, that first Peter verse, and we'll go to it now in the New American Standard, uh, which is the, verse, uh, the version that uh, Moses used. Um, but in, the, uh, in uh, the New American Standard, let's look at this verse, because I think it overlays the the first two messages just amazingly well. Um, it, 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 uh, uh, it says this in 1 Peter 3, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit 
a blessing. Now, um, the first uh, message on this series that uh, Pastor Mike gave, what, what did it do? Well, it called us to bless. And remember, he went through those five things, you know, that, hey, when you bless, you use your touch and your words to attach high value, to help somebody understand because of your love, better understand God's love and that God has a special future for them and that you see things in their life that you really believe God can use down the road, okay? And you're committed to them, that genuine commitment. So you want to bless people, but do you remember on the first message, if you heard that of the series, what did he also call us to do? To bless people that aren't easy to bless. You know, bless your enemies, okay? Now, I grew up in a single-parent home. My mom and dad here in Arizona, my mom and dad divorced when I was two months old. And let me tell you, for a long time, for me growing up, we didn't go to church. I'm ashamed to say I wasn't a believer and my dad bailed out when I was two months old, and, I, and my dad was the enemy for a long time. I saw my mom suffer, having to work full-time as a rheumatoid arthritic, and he had bailed out, no, no uh, um, you know, uh, child support or anything else. We had no idea where he was. And long story short is, you know, I hated my dad. And then I became a Christian, and I just intensely disliked him. Uh, and then I began to realize, well, wait a minute, um, if I don't forgive him, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm turning into the same person, and I don't even know him. But what does it say here in First Peter that, hey, don't return evil for, for evil, evil. And man, you talk about something great is when, it, is when God's blessing, because you need to understand this, once you get God's blessing, you can give it to somebody even if they never gave it to you. And so what Pastor Mike in that first message called us to was, hey, there's this thing called the blessing, and he spelled it out, but then he said, do something great. In other words, in the power of God, and we'll talk more about this, but how do, you know, but, you know, be, once you get God's blessing, again, you're free to, to bless others, even those that don't bless you. That was week one. Week two, if you were a part of this series, was that, okay, here it is, good reminder each time, you know, he talked about those five elements of the blessing, but then he talked about a scarcity mentality. Anybody remember that? Okay, several of you nodding your heads, and what's a scarcity mentality? Well, um, I had an awesome aunt. My mom, as I mentioned, was a rheumatoid arthritic at one point when we were in, uh, well, uh, it was still grade school, but it would be gen- junior high now. Uh, she got super uh, bad and had to go back to Indiana for some surgeries, and so the family sent out an aunt, her sister, uh, my Aunt Dovey, to show up and try to keep, take care of three boys. So there were three of us under two when my dad bailed, or three of us under uh, three, I'm sorry, when my dad bailed out. So my older brother's two years older. I have a twin brother. So there were three of us, and when the twins were born, my dad took one look at us, and that, that was it. He just bailed out. And um, so now my mom, single parent, when she got super sick, Aunt Dovey shows up. Now, Aunt Dovey was a child of the Great Depression. Now, we've had great recessions. You know that, right? In 2001, 2008, um, things are really tough now. Uh, I still get to travel uh, uh, now, and boy, some of the states just wait. Even when the lockdowns open up, people are hurting so bad. But the Great Depression is unprecedented in our history. And watch what Aunt... uh, 
Dovey would do. So she shows up. We're you know excited. She goes, all right, well, I'm going to make you guys lunch. So peanut butter and jelly. How's that sound? Anybody like peanut butter and jelly? And we love that. Okay, great. So she takes out. Now, again, she's lived through and lost her farm in the Great Depression. They lost their farm in Kansas. Remember the Dust Bowl? Anybody remember American history? At the same time of the Depression was this thing called the Dust Bowl. And, I mean, basically their farm blew into New Mexico. And they, had, they, they literally were starving and they had to move to Texas uh, to try to get, get a, you know, find some place to, to, to live. And so she grew up with very little. So she goes, okay, here's your peanut butter sandwich. So she, it's two pieces of white bread, because back then I think there was only white bread. I'm not sure, but I'm so old. But the point is, it's white bread. And they, she would take, so she dips the spoon into the jar of peanut butter, and then she ladles you know, on a bunch of peanut butter. Okay, but now watch this. Then she scrapes it off, puts, it back, puts some back in, scrapes it off, puts more back in, scrapes it off, puts more back in the jar. And after about the fourth time, there's this little thin layer of peanut butter, and she puts the other thing on and hands it to us. And it didn't even do the jelly part. And we're like, okay, wait a minute. That's... But that's a scarcity mentality. That's say, I've got it right here. There's a jar of peanut butter, but guess what? I ain't giving it to you. Remember Jacob and Esau? You know, one of them gets the blessing. The other one is, well, I'm only giving it to one. And he cries out, Esau does, with an exceedingly great and bitter cry in Genesis 27 and says, bless me even me also, oh, my father. So there's that sense in which, you know, we... We, don't, we, we, we need to bless. We're called to bless. It's our job, okay? But man, in spite of knowing what it is, that's propositional truth. We want to know really how do we live it out? Well, you've got to deal with that block of, well, I'm only going to bless people that are nice and easy to bless. C.S. Lewis talks a lot about the fact that once you come to know Christ, it's amazing how all of a sudden, the people that you never would have thought you would reach toward, you can begin to step towards. And again, it's because of what happens, that transaction inside our life. So we want to bless people, even the ones that are a little more difficult to bless, and we don't want to have that scarcity mentality. So as we wrap up this series, here's where we're going. Uh, we'll share three things real quick, because I went to Dallas Seminary, and you have to have three points. So we'll share three things real quickly, uh, and here they are. Number one is we're going to talk about how the blessing is every day, and I don't want you to walk out of here or online, listen to this, and realize there's an opt-out clause, because there isn't. Um, in the same way that he says, let me sum this up in First Peter, we're going to see in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 9, that Almighty God sets before his people each day a choice. So the blessing is a choice. So we'll look at that. Let's go back to the slide where we go through all three of those things. So we'll look first of all at uh, the fact we have a choice, then we'll get real practical. And, and, and for some of you, we're going to get really uncomfortable. And so I want you to feel free to be really uncomfortable because I'm going to be calling you not just to make a choice uh, to bless, but to make a choice today 
to bless someone. And you'll see how when we get you to uh, choose, if you want, because you don't have to do this. And, and uh, I think, Pastor Mike, we can put it up online, right? So we'll put the PDF up and you can download it if you're watching this. But the bottom line is I'm going to ask you to write out a blessing and give it to somebody. Now, once you write it out, you can text them. Don't, I mean, don't put it on Instagram or Facebook. That's for, you know, like groups. Do it, you know, something, this is personal. But I'm going to ask you to take that step because uh, you'll see it's not just an attitude, it's an action. And then finally, prayerfully, we'll look at one last thing that, boy, if you don't deal with that, you're, you're never going to bless someone. Now, that's a strong statement, but I, I really believe that. So we'll look at one more barrier to blessing. All right? So here we go. Let's go back to that verse, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, uh, it, it's uh, just for the context of this, the people of, uh, it, it's, a, it's an amazing story. Has anybody had the privilege of going to Israel? Uh, if you ever get the chance to go to Israel, there's a few hands here, uh, you probably saw what is called the Valley of Jezreel. Now that's where Armageddon will be, and it's by the Dead Sea, and so if usually on the, you're doing a tour of Israel, when you go down by the Dead Sea, you're going to end up at the Valley of Jezreel, where that late gra- great battle will be. So picture there's this big, it's a narrow, it's very long, but it's a narrow valley. And on one side comes up Mount Gerizim and the other Mount Ebal. And, all, and Almighty God takes half the nation of Israel. Now remember, they've wandered around. They were in Egypt for 40 years. They've wandered in the desert. Now they're getting ready. Those that uh, were faithful along with Joshua and Caleb are getting ready to what? Walk into the promised land. And so he goes, here's what I want you to do when you get there, okay? I call heaven and earth the witness that I have set before you, and it's a choice. It's one choice, but it has two parts. So here's the nation of Israel. Here's Joshua, who's now leading God's people. And, um, and he, with that great megaphone that God gives him, says, I call heaven and earth the witness that I have set before you, life or death, the blessing or the curse. So choose life. So linked with life and death is blessing and curse. I mean, you talk about significant choice. So let's unpack this choice real quickly. So here we go. Um, What is life? The word life literally means movement. Things that are alive are things that are moving. Now, interestingly, when we come to know Christ, Jesus says what? I am the life. The way, the truth, and the life. We get a new life. You know, 1 Corinthians, when we come to know Christ, he gives us new capacities. Well, once we come to know him, because it is his calling, man, read Ephesians chapter 1, and we're adopted, and he calls us, and, um, and we have an inheritance now, and we're sanctified, and, he, you know, no one will be able to, you know, to... to to take us out of his hand, that sense when we get God's life, he gets us moving, even towards people that are hard to bless, okay? But he's, it's his life. So choose life in Christ first. And boy, if you haven't done that, that's the starting point. But I want you to think too, as you live out your life, you're called to bless. So we'll see in just a minute that, that, that you know, choose life, okay, But you don't have to choose life. You can choose death. Here's death. It literally means to step away. 
Now, in a human standpoint, I'm a marriage and family counselor. That's my day job. I train counselors and counsel people. And bottom line is, is I see so many people emotionally who have started, even though maybe they've chosen life in Christ, now things are really tough. And instead of stepping towards a loved one, they're stepping away. And when you start stepping away, if you're not careful, you're going to see that relationship begin to die inside. Now, the great news is in our relationship with Christ, if we are faithless, he remains what? Faithful. So in Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So in our relationship with Christ, we can emotionally step away. He's not going anywhere. And the great news is he's right there when we, when we come back. But there is that choice, life over death, and then blessing over curse. What's blessing? Blessing means two pictures. The first is to bow the knee. Whatever our power or significance, man, we're bowing before someone because we're saying to them, you have such great value. And I know we're in an age where there's so much disunity and disharmony and the whole bowing thing has gotten blown up so, so crazy. And, and, uh, but biblically, in Eastern culture, in biblical times, bl- uh, bowing the knee was a way to say in an attitude, okay, and an action that I, I'm going to, because you're so valuable, I'm going to add to your life. Like those five things we, we talked about and that Pastor Mike talked about. So it blessing is what lives out that life in us. The reason why this is such a great thing to get called to is, is it's a way of saying, all right, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go in Christ's love. I'm going to go out and change my world. Well, how do you do it? Well, you blessing over curse because what's curse? Either with my attitude and actions, I'm going to bless someone, or to curse, let's go to that one, to go to curse um, is we're going to dam up the stream, okay? Now, isn't that interesting? You know, it, it's uh, when the, think about, uh, here's, um, you know, basically, remember when the ark uh, came to rest on Mount Arad, and it says, and the waters abated. Literally, it says, and the waters were cursed. What is curse? It is to pull away life-giving water. So here's this lady. She's had five broken relationships. She's now living with a, sex guy, a sixth guy. Her five, five marriages broken up. Now the sixth one. She's living with him. She's by herself in the middle of the day because nobody else will hang out with her. And she meets Jesus at this well And what does Jesus offer the woman at the well? Anybody remember? Living water. So when we have things pulled away from us, so my dad bails out, I'll keep, you know, uh, uh, going back there, but when my dad chose to step away, life over death, to step away, well, instead of adding, you can choose to subtract. But here's the great news. Uh, Deuteronomy verse uh, 23 and uh, 5, if you haven't, uh, verse 5, chapter 23, verse 5, if you haven't seen this verse or if you don't, I mean, just, man, write this down. Talk about a great verse. It says, the Lord your God was not willing to listen to Balaam. Anybody had somebody that is subtracted from your life? Well, um, the enemies of God's people before they walked into the promised land hired this guy named Balaam, who was a professional, well, he was basically a sorcerer, but they hired him because he was really good at cursing people. 
<laughs> and so, he, so they hire Balaam, who is trying to subtract from God's people. But the Lord your God was not willing to listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Look at those, all those times, what, what's repeated. Remember, repetition in the Scripture is a big deal. The Lord your God, the Lord your God, the Lord your God. And what reverses the curse is God's love. Amen? So now, okay, that's the choice. So we've heard it for two weeks. Now, you know, you can't walk away from the fact that this is a choice set before God's people, them, and and us today. But even if somebody stepped away from us, even if someone cursed us, the bottom line is in God's love, we're ready to bless or can be. Because we're called. It's our job. So let's go on to the next slide. And, and here's why that's so important. Just one last thing is um, you, you may be going, well, yeah, okay, that sounds good. But, you know, I'm more of a science person. Okay, well, let's talk about that just, just super quick. Um, what does it do to us inside when we're really alone? Okay, well, um, there's a thing called attachment theory. Now, attachment theory is really the blessing. <laughs> uh, it was created by a guy named Bloby. Now, Sue Johnson really does it. If you're a counseling major, you know all about Sue Johnson and EFT. But basically, it talks about the deep, incredible need for attachment. And there's this amazing uh, study by a guy named Prophet which uh, in England, which I thought is prophetic, okay, kind of a deal. But uh, here's what he would do. It was, he wasn't even studying attachment. He was studying visual perception. So here's a person, and they would stand him in England in front of a high hill that they had to cl- climb all by themselves, okay? And they're all wired up, so they're seeing what's going on with the person. And visually, guess what? When you're alone and you face a high hill in front of you, okay, guess what we do visually, perceptually? We look at it, and it's higher, and it's more difficult to climb. What, this is the actual hill, but what do we do? We see it as, man, this is really big. Well, they, the, the people didn't know the subjects, but then what he had somebody do was come over and put their hand on their shoulder. Now, this is somebody that they were attached to, a friend. So now picture you got a high hill in front of you. You're facing something really tough. And instead of doing it all by yourself, what do they do? They have somebody come over and put their hand on your shoulder that's going to walk, walk up there with you. And it, it shrinks the hill. It just shrinks the hill. There are so many people in our life story that are facing that high hill today. And I'm telling you, when you bless, I mean, just, um, I mean, both in Scripture and science, it says, give them the blessing. Be there for them. Show them what attachment is. Well, it's those five things that are a part of the blessing. It's amazing how, you know, uh, science finally catches up with the Bible. But so that's the blessing, that's the choice. But now let's get real specific, okay? And this is the part that might get a little uncomfortable. Uh, and, uh, but um, there is in the back, and so let's, uh, well, actually, uh, keep, yeah, uh, I, I, I need to say this. I mean, Jesus, remember when he comes up out of 
the water and the dove comes out of of heaven and Jesus says to him, behold, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I I am well pleased. Uh, Jesus didn't have to, when he started his ministry, all that he was going to do, and then again at the transfiguration, uh, his father blesses him before he has to go face a big challenge in front of him. So let's bless other people, but let's get practical on how to do that. So, so here we go. So what I'm going to call you to do today then is to bless. Well, how do you do it? Well, give the blessing. Well, how do you do that? Well, in the back, there's a table. And at the table, there's going to be a, uh, this thing called a blessing choice card. Now, it's not actual card you're going to fill out. It's going to tell you how to do this. So you're going to take a piece of paper. And then basically what you're going to do is you're going to start by... Number one, you're going, to, well, you're going to start off and just pick somebody to bless. So who's somebody in your life story right now that's facing a, a high hill? Or maybe it's just somebody you know that really needs your blessing. So pick a person. Then I want you to think about them and pick one character trait. Uh, so like you'll see here, I've given you an example. Well, I really appreciate how, how Jaden is so good at really seeing people who are hurting or lonely. So maybe there's somebody, you're going to bless them. You look in their life, what's something God has put there, a character trait. Now, not a physical trait. Does that make sense? So don't go, well, you have big hair. Okay, big hair is a physical trait. Okay, so, but then what you do is you're going to write out, okay, well, this is the person. Well, man, uh, I, I, there's that character trait. So now you're, the second thing is, is you're going to write out how, is, how have you seen that Uh, trait bless other people. Because I'm here to tell you, it is so powerful when you speak blessing into somebody's life. You may think that, oh, they see that. They know that about themselves. I don't have to to say it. That's that scarcity mentality. Uh, I, I mean, people tend to be literalists with what they hear about themselves. And for a lot of us, we hear nothing. I mean, as a marriage and family counselor, I am sick to death of People that walk in and guess what's happened? At home, no one is speaking blessing and encouragement over them. And then that person goes to work and there's that person there and they're going to just hammer on, oh, you look great today. Oh, you're so great at this. And they bless them and they bless them. And the origin and creation of affairs is 90%, I believe, not to, it's a choice and it's sin and all of this. But I'm telling you, in so often they are in an environment where no one is speaking blessing into their life. And in the absence of blessing or with our kids, if we don't bless our kids, man, if you don't bless them, then there is somebody more than willing, you know, uh, from cults to anything else to use their word, you know, to point out things in a person's life. So you're going to write out, okay, how is that trait blessed them? So don't assume that they know this. And then the third thing you're going to do is write out a prayer for them. You know, Jaden, may the Lord, it's got God's blessing and your blessing. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and guide you. And, uh, it, it's, and, and the fact that you're going to be with them, you can read it. It's all, you can download it if you're watching this. You can walk out and grab that sheet and make that choice or what? You don't have to. It's a choice. So this whole series has been about not just propositional truth, but how do I put it into practice? So I'm going to challenge you to write out a blessing and give it to somebody today. Well, here's the last thing. And boy, we're right on time. Something's wrong. 
And uh, is, uh, there is something that can block us from blessing. And you know what it is? It's a charcoal fire. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, um, remember when Jesus first called you to himself? I was lost as a goose. I was a high school kid in the 60s. And if you remember the 60s, you weren't there, or at least I wasn't there for most of the 60s. And um, then as lost in, as I was and broken and kicked out of grade school and hated my dad and was not a good person to say the least. And I thank God for this big six foot four X offensive tackle named Doug Barham that was the Young Life leader that showed up at my high school senior year. And we used to go to his house, a bunch of us football guys, because he would do these big Thursday night dinners. Thursday, if you played, remember, games on Friday in high school, Thursday night is light practice. So after, you know, shoulder pads and shorts, you'd go to, uh, they'd cook this big spaghetti dinner, and a bunch of us in the team would go over to their house. And I got to see a family all lit up with God's light and love. And I got to see a dad that blessed his kids. That's where I first saw the blessing. And then I began to realize, well, it is Jesus through Doug that is blessing me. And he tricked me into going to a Billy Graham movie, and that's where I had (laughs) asked Jesus to come into my life. But here's Peter. Do you remember how he came to know Christ? He's out, you know, Jesus walks up and goes, hey, can, you, can I use your boat and can you push back? I got a big crowd and they'll hear, hear me better because sound echoes off of a lake. Uh, if you've ever been out in a lake, water, it's amazing how it's like a natural microphone. So he pushes back, preaches, and he goes, hey, put your nets down for a cash. Oh, we've, we've fished all night, you know, <laughs> Jesus, I mean, thank you, but, you know, go, no, just do it. And he goes, okay. And he lets the knee, and what happens? The boat starts to sink because there's so many fish. And he realizes, I'm not in the boat with just anybody. This is, he falls down on his knees and says, get away from me for I'm a sinful man. Well, let me tell you, that was the night I came to know Christ. But then you get up off your knees and you've got somebody, um, Doug Barham had me read a hundred times. Hebrews 13.5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I got, and I thought he was, he said, go home and read this verse. He gave me the verse, the night I came to know Christ. And he goes, go home and read it a hundred times. I, I thought he was serious. He, he meant it metaphorically. Go home and read it a bunch. For he, I get to about 60 and I'm weeping. Because what have I had? A dad that bailed out. A mom that's now sick and gone. Uh, because of, not because she wanted to, because she, but she was such a mess physically. So many people that had stepped away uh, from, from me. Um, so you get up and you, you're going to do great guns, but then guess what? What did, what did Peter do down the road? Well, in John chapter 18, there's two times the word charcoal is used. And the first one is in John chapter 18. And uh, in, in John chapter uh, 18, he's, you know, he's done a great job, Peter. He's the first one to say, you know, you are the Christ, and Jesus blesses him and said, blessed are you, Peter. And so he, even at the, the night before uh, this happens, well, at the Last Supper, he says, everybody else may bail out. I'm never going to bail out. Well, what does he do? Now, Simon was standing, warming himself, and they were standing over a charcoal fire. And what does he do? Denies Christ three times, just like Jesus said he was. And, and then he meets Jesus eye to eye, 
As Jesus is being walked across, it says in a different gospel, and he's just so broken. Well, now, he, you know, there's the, there's the crucifixion, but then there's the resurrection. And in John chapter 21 is this, the, the, last, the second time, only two times in the New Testament, the word charcoal is used. And uh, because here's the deal. Um, and I know this isn't a word, don't send me emails, okay? But then we do something in our life that makes us feel like we're unblessable. And that is we sit over a charcoal fire, okay? So he sits over that charcoal fire, John 18, and he denies Christ three times. And now the resurrected Lord Jesus has appeared to the disciples. He's seen him, but he feels still so bad. And I, you, yeah, you don't understand what I did. You don't, I can't be blessing somebody. I'm not worth being a disciple. In fact, he goes, and after Simon Peter, uh, after Jesus had manifested himself, he said, hey, uh, let's just go fishing. What did he do before he was a disciple? Fish. I'm going to go back and do something at least I'm good at. I suck at this disciple thing. And there's some of us that think, well, I can't go bless somebody. I'm a mess. Well, man, let me tell you, guess who's there ahead of them? They fish all night and caught nothing. That's what had happened when Jesus called him. They had fished all night and caught nothing. He goes, hey, this guy yells out from the shore, hey, caught anything? (laughs) Actually, Jesus says, you haven't caught anything, have you? And they go, no. And he goes, well, put your nets out. They do. The boat starts sinking again, and all of a sudden he realizes it's Jesus. And it says, and when he came on shore, Peter, there was Jesus sitting over a what? A charcoal fire. Three times he denied him. Three times he says what? Do you love me? Well, then get busy doing this. Feed my sheep. Get busy. Tend my lambs. Go back to being a person of blessing. So as the worship team comes up and Pastor Mike comes up, let me pray for us. And, uh, and, you know, you've had a whole series on what the blessing is. You've looked at barriers to blessing, but it all comes down to that choice. So let me pray and then we'll, we'll close up. Lord, thank you so much that first of all, you chose to bless us. While, you, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were walking away from you, Lord, you jumped in front of us and said, hey, I, I am life. I'm what you've been looking for. And Lord, once we get life in Christ, oh my goodness, what a great offer. We get to tell our friends and other people, Lord, we get to know and understand ourselves that you change our life because you indeed are life. And so, Lord, thank you for forgiveness of sins. And even like Peter, if we're sitting here and feeling like I'm just not able to be, I can't bless anybody, I'm such a mess. Oh my gosh, once we have God's blessing in our life, we can be that person of blessing that changes others' lives. So that's my prayer, Lord. Might we live this out in your precious name we do pray and all God's people said, amen.